Welcome to the Why It Works podcast. I'm Joe Kwan, your host. Together, we'll pull back the curtain to reveal the hidden principles behind why things work. Things work for a reason. Let's find out why. Hi, this is Joe Kwan, the Connection Counselor, and I have some exciting news to share with you. If you listen to Why It Works, you probably know I love audiobooks. I listen to about one a week, which equals over 50 new books a year. After much cajoling and inspiration by my good friend, Luis Rosado, I just released my own audiobook, Unlock Your Charisma. I'll share the link in the show notes and on my website at www.connectioncounselor.com slash whyitworks. Have a listen so you can be seen, be valued, and be chosen. I love creating why it works for you, but lately there's been a problem. I have these amazing, insightful guests, and sometimes I want to go deeper with them, but that would take us too far off topic. So I've created a second podcast to scratch that itch. As a preview, here's the opening. Get the uneasy feeling that you've been fed a lie? Not just any lie, but one that you have believed your entire life and which has guided many of your decisions. Most of the time, we shake off this feeling and go about our lives. But what if that feeling was the key to unlocking everything? I'm Joe Kwan, the Connection Counselor, and on each episode of The Big Lie, will reveal a new lie that once uncovered has the power to transform your relationships, career, and life. Let's do this. This is going to be so amazing, and I can't wait to share it with you. Keep an eye out for the big lie, and if you'd like to be a guest, reach out to me at Joe at connectioncounselor.com. Let's do this. I'm auditioning some potential voiceover talent. Here's a pretty good one. Here with us today is Stacey Ashley, a high-performance leadership expert. With over 30 years of experience, Stacey has helped thousands to develop their leadership potential. The author of two books on leadership, including the Amazon bestseller, The New Leader, Stacy has four international Stevie Awards, including Coach of the Year 2019 and in 2018 was named in the global LinkedIn Top Voices. We speak to Stacy from her home in Australia. Welcome, Stacy, to the White Works podcast, and thank you for being here. Oh, it's a real pleasure, Joe. Thank you. So I noticed on your profile and posts, you talk a lot about the possibility uh, that people have inside to be better leaders. And I really agree with that sentiment. Uh, and I think about it in, in, you know, similar language, but slightly different, you know, unlocking your leadership. Um, I also really enjoy your writings on topics such as vulnerability, resilience, and failure. How do standard or sort of traditional training programs differ from the way you look at leadership development? Um, 
I think there's a couple of things. One is that I want to, when I work with people, it's about actually giving them really practical tools that they can use straight away. So that's my, my first thing. I want there to be benefit so that people will keep going and keep developing um, both themselves and the people around them. So that that's one, um, one difference, I guess. And, and the other one is that I believe that leaders have um, a responsibility to create other leaders. And part of that is about how they demonstrate leadership. So actually acknowledging the practice of leadership and that, that they need to actually develop their own practice of leadership and in doing so um, develop others and, and create more leaders. And so I think there's a real focus in the work that I do on people actually taking responsibility for themselves and how they actually show up as leaders. So it's not just about what I do, but it's also about who I am and, um, and how I, how I behave and how I serve the people around me. And so a lot of the work that I do is actually trying to work in all of those dimensions so that people can become, you know, become the leader um, and, and lead into possibility. Well, what I love about that is the the transformation has a lot to do with the leader themselves first, and then that has a knock-on effect to their followers where, you know, you might see a lot of training just focused on how do you change everyone else, right? It's like, it's not really about developing yourself. It's just about getting other people to be more productive, which I feel is maybe short-term effective, but if you're trying to build a vibrant long-term organization, that's probably not as helpful. And, and I would agree. And, and actually the way that I approach leadership is, um, it does begin with you. So the first dimension is self. First lead yourself, then lead others. Um, and part of your responsibility or the way that you be a leader is actually through the role modeling of leadership. So asking someone else to turn up and be a leader when you're not doing that yourself doesn't feel very congruent. And that to me is not leadership. So first lead yourself is, is definitely, um, for me, it's, it's just a principle of leadership. First lead yourself. Love it. So let's get to know you a little bit better. Uh, tell us what you do, but explain it as if you were talking to a five-year-old. Okay, that's always a challenge, isn't it? Um, I, I guess what I would, I would say, yes, I'm a high-performance leadership expert. And what does that mean? I see so many leaders caught up in the basics, the fundamentals, and that sort of gets in the way of them being able to step into the space where they can lead. And so how I describe working with me is... If you've ever been in the surf and you kind of get caught in the breakers and you, you know, you just can't get beyond that and you're just getting pummeled and overwhelmed and tossed upside down, that's the space that a lot of leaders live in. When, when people work with me, it's like getting a toe past the breakers into the clear water so that they've got the time and the space and the opportunity to think and create and to lead. Oh, I love the uh, water uh, analogy. And uh, yeah, I feel that's very effective. Thanks. That's great. 
So I am so happy you're here today to talk about the topic of leaders create leaders, and let me tell you why. This is one of those things that not many people are going to try to debate you or argue about it on its face, right? No one's going to say, no, 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 it's not a job for leaders to create leaders. But you've probably seen this more than most. In practice, that is not really what's going on, right? That's not really what people are doing. And maybe it's not what people are looking for in terms of, let's say you're trying to, you know, um, share some training or, or, or get people to uh, develop some additional training. Um, how do you see the relationship between a leader and their team members? Hmm. There's so many dimensions <laughs> into that question, but I, I think there's, there's, a, there's a few things. Um, for me, leadership is an act of service. And so the first thing for any leader, and, and, you know, there are leaders who have teams and there are leaders who have portfolios and there are thought leaders and there are people who just, they lead themselves and then they, they lead their peers within a team. But the leader of a team, I think, has a responsibility and an obligation um, to serve their people, to support them, to encourage them, to develop them, um, and to you know, obviously, as part of that, to, to build relationships, to learn about them, to understand what their strengths are. And as a leader, if you're not yet doing that, you're missing a huge opportunity because any leader, in terms of your ability to deliver on the, the key responsibilities of your role, it really does rest in the hands of your team. And so if you're not um, doing all of those things to bring out the best in your team, then your ability to, to deliver as a leader is, of course, limited. So it's in their um, in their best interest and in yours to do all of those things, to build that relationship, to understand how to get the best out of your team, to work to their strengths, to tap into their ideas and initiative. Um, and so I think what I notice is that that opportunity isn't being optimised as often as it could, you know, so, so there's this, all this missed opportunity because as you were saying earlier, there's kind of, kind of this going through the motions of we need to um, get people to deliver something. We need to make a change. So we have to go through these action steps as, as opposed to actually, you know what, we could really elevate the way that we are all showing up, the way that we are um, participating in our team and our organisation and actually you know, we are stronger and better together if we can understand how to better collaborate um, and, you know, who who can bring something special that, that gives us the secret ingredient to do whatever it is that we are doing. And if we don't have the insight and the understanding of the people around us, we just don't get that chance to do that. You know, I what you're saying really resonates with me. And I, and I truly believe that one of the biggest missed opportunities uh, for organizations is really leveraging the greatness that is inside their people. Um, and a lot of that, I would put at the foot, at the footsteps or at the feet of these leaders who are just like, I need you to do X, Y, and Z, right? There's like no room for these people to breathe, to express, to experiment, to fail, you know, within boundaries, to, to really bring something fantastic that that leader never would have thought of themselves, not because they're not smart enough or good enough, but 
you're one person, right? So you have one experience and this person has another experience. So why not let them sort of stretch their wings a little bit? And I feel like that is something that when you're developing other leaders, as we're going to talk about today, you, you do more of that. You allow people to, to stretch their wings a little bit more. Uh, look, totally agree. I, my belief is that one of your primary responsibilities um, as a leader is to create other leaders. And how do you do that? It's by, by actually acknowledging all those things you said. You are not the expert in everything. You haven't had the experience in everything. So, so you know, use all that wonderful experience and expertise and ideas from the people around you and, you know, the outcomes, the, op- the, the innovation, the ideas that will come from that well, you just actually, as you just said, you don't know what, what could possibly take place. And so, um, you know, I, I would encourage all leaders to almost get out of their own way because your people can do so much more than you can do on your own. Love that. Get out of your own way. <laughs> so let's take a look uh, at our first clip where sometimes uh, some of our best growth and learnings come from leaders maybe who are more difficult and maybe are not the leader we think we want. She hates me, Nigel. And that's my problem because... Oh, wait, no, No, it's not my problem. I I don't know what else I can do because Mm. if I do something right... It's unacknowledged. She doesn't even say thank you. But if I do something wrong, she is vicious. So quit. What? Quit. Quit. I can get another girl to take your job in five minutes. One who really wants it. No, I don't want to quit. That's not fair. But I, you know, I'm just saying that I would just like a little credit for the fact that I'm killing myself trying. Oh, Andy. Be serious. You are not trying. You are whining. What is it that you want me to say to you, huh? Do you want me to say, poor you, Miranda's picking on you, poor you, poor Andy? Hmm? Wake up, Six. She's just doing her job. Don't you know that you were working at the place that published some of the greatest artists of the century? Halston, Lagerfeld, De La Renta. And what they did, what they created was greater than art because you live your life in it well not you obviously but some people you think this is just a magazine Hmm? this is not just a magazine this is a shining beacon of hope for oh i don't know Let's say a young boy growing up in Rhode Island with six brothers pretending to go to soccer practice when he was really going to sewing class and reading Runway under the covers at night with a flashlight. You have no idea how many legends have walked these halls. And what's worse, you don't care. Because this place where so many people would die to work, you only deign to work. And you want to know why she doesn't kiss you on the forehead and give you a gold star on your homework at the end of the day. Wake up, sweetheart. Okay, so I'm screwing it up. Mm. I I don't want to. I just wish that I knew what I could do to 
No. So uh, what do you see going on here, Stacey? Gosh, so much. Um, what, what, a couple of things that I really love about this clip is the first thing, and we see it all the time, don't we, in workplaces where, where people complain and they, they whinge and they whine. Um, and what I really love is that the response wasn't, oh, yeah, I know, it's really hard. Um, which is what we see. You know, we give permission to people to complain and to whinge rather than actually, um, in this case, giving them a bit of a reality check and um, and creating the opportunity for them to understand a different perspective. And so I thought, I, I think that's just, you know, beautiful. Um, so that's the first thing, you know, sometimes leaders hold the mirror up so you can actually take a good look at what's going on for yourself and kind of recognize that rather than kind of laying the blame um, about the situation on others, but to actually hold the mirror up and go, okay, so maybe it's actually me and the way that I'm responding to the situation. So that's a great learning opportunity. And you can kind of see that aha moment that happened there. Um, other things, though, that I thought were you know, really wonderful, um, the storytelling that happens there where he related, you know, the story that, you know, just might have been about him. Um, and I think, you know, stories are a really powerful way of communicating um, a message without kind of telling people, you know, oh, you should be doing this or you should be doing that. It, but it's just a really wonderful way of being able to communicate. Um, so I, I thought that you know, is great leadership as well. It's kind of a mentoring without, you know, really being heavy handed about it. Um, and then the third thing that I saw there, which I really um, advocate is just not giving a solution, not um, telling, telling her, well, this is how you need to handle this, but actually just letting the space be there um, so that she could she could solve her own problem. You know, I don't know what to do. And suddenly she had an idea about what, how she could actually handle this differently. Now, we didn't actually find out what the idea was, but it looked like it was going to be pretty juicy. Uh, but, you know, that allowing people to solve their own problems is a really wonderful learning, growing, developing opportunity. People are going to follow through on their own idea far more than they are on anybody else's idea. And every leader probably already knows that. Um, and so allowing that space, allowing them to, you know, figure it out and, and find a way forward is empowering I know it's a noble word uh, overused word but I, but it is empowering and it enables people to take ownership of the situation for themselves and then you know own how they're actually going to move forward so you know lots of really great dimensions of coaching and mentoring and listening um, you know holding the mirror up that was all going on there so uh, I love all of that I want to focus uh, maybe on that last point you made about how um, he kind of held some space for her, as you said, to come up with the thinking and the solution um, mm. for herself. And, and what I wanted to follow up with you on that, uh, with that point is, I think a lot of leaders have challenges with that, right? They're much more comfortable being the problem-solving man or woman, right? You have a problem, mm. oh, seen that, done that, do this, boom, 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 it's done. Um, 
One, why do you think that happens? And two, how have you seen people kind of transform away from that and, and understand maybe what, what this character understood about that implicitly, that, that that's maybe not the best way to go about things? Yeah. Uh, look, I think, I think you're right there. Um, people generally are more equipped to go into mentoring mode and telling and guiding. Um, it, it's just, you know, an, a natural thing that we all do. And if you happen to have expertise and experience, it's very easy um, to do that. So, so part of its habit, part of it is, is that it's easy. The thing that gets missed though, there is the learning opportunity. And so the creating the space um, to, for people to be able to think and reflect and consider how they're contributing and what they might do differently, I guess is what I would describe as more of actually going into kind of the coaching space um, where we're not, we're still helping and supporting, but we're doing it in a different way, allowing them to figure it out. Um, and why do people or not as many people naturally do that? Um, because firstly, it wasn't modelled to us probably in, in the first place. Mm. And the second thing is that there are some skills that would be helpful to have, you know, in your coaching toolkit um, as a leader. And not all leaders have been given the training and development for to develop those coaching skills and so it's a bit hard to expect them to do that if they haven't been given the ex, either the exposure to it or the skills development for it um, but i'm hopeful and and i do see a lot of signs of this that coaching is becoming more and more acknowledged as a key part of the leadership toolkit yeah i i love that word that you use there coaching skill you know it's 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 a uh... It's something sophisticated, something that's difficult, something that requires training, intent, practice. It's not just, oh, this is what you do. Oh, why wasn't I doing that? I can do that very easily. Like, that's not the way it works. Yeah, and I think, um, I think you're right that um, it's, it's more like there are some people who naturally do it and they're amazing, sure. but not – but everybody doesn't come by it naturally. So, um, and, and the other thing I think that I, that I love about um, leaders who use a coaching approach, again, you don't have to be the expert. You know, when you, when you mentor or you, or you tell someone or you make a suggestion, it is based on your own expertise. So that really limits in some ways who you can lead. Whereas if you start to introduce more of a coaching approach into part of your leadership, now you can have conversations, you can lead a lot of people in a lot of different ways, in a lot of different industries, you know, different roles, whatever, because you don't have to be the subject matter expert. You just need to be great at creating the space, asking the right kind of questions, helping them to actually figure out what they need to do. Yeah, I, I, I love that point and how it makes sort of the universe of possibilities, right? Your possibility, mm -hmm. that's, that's you, Stacey. The, that's it. That possibility much bigger, right, than just what's in my head and, and in my experience. So, yeah, ab absolutely. All right. So let's take a look at our next clip where, um, you know, there's probably few places uh, or few organizations where the right sort of leadership is more important than in the military. So let's take a look at this clip. Good leader has to understand 
the people that are under him understand their, their needs, their, their desires, or how they think a little bit. It seemed like he always made the right decisions along the way. He was a real soldier. Like some of, some of the officers, uh, I don't think I would follow them in the water. But uh, he, was, he was one of the best. He went right in there and he didn't know. Uh, he never thought of not being first or uh, sending somebody in his place. I don't know how he survived. But he did. Second platoon, listen up. Good luck. God bless you. I'll see you in the assembly area. So for folks who may not know, uh, that's from a HBO uh, program called Band of Brothers, and they're talking about a historical uh, figure, Dick Winters from World War II. Um, Stacy, what, what did you see, what did you hear uh, going on both from uh, Winters himself as well as from some of the men who served under him? Yeah, really, um, just, <clears throat> I remember watching that um, series originally. Um, what I love here, yes, it's a military setting, but is the level of connection um, between you know, leader and team, the the recognition, the humanity, you know, I, I, I just find that um, really wonderful. So there was clearly, you know, relationship um, that had been built and, and often that happens, you know, when in those, when you're under stress and duress and hardship and all of those things. Um, the, the message though that came through for me most strongly though is the role modelling you know, that of leadership, that that this is someone who would not put, put someone into a position that they would, you know, like they wouldn't send someone to do something that they wouldn't do themselves. Um, that they, you know, they were an example, you know, when he said that he was a soldier. The, the example that was being set, the, um, you know, and almost the, the aspiration that that created for others that were, you know, under the influence of this, of this leader, um, of this soldier. Um, and I think the other thing that, that I get a sense of, it's not explicitly talked about, but I, I feel like um, the care, again, you know, as the leader, the care for the team um, that they were responsible for, um, I think, you know, really came through, you know, that, that, that team, those people would, would follow that leader. You know, they would choose to follow because there was that sense of, of care and commitment to leading them and, and that example of being a soldier and being a leader. Yeah, I mean, um, what you're saying uh, really resonates with me. And one particular thing that I thought of as you were sharing was the difference between compliance of the team 
and actually sort of serving the team and following and being there for each other. You know, all the best things you hear about groups that work together so well versus mm. I will do, and this is like a line from office space, exactly what I need to do not to get fired and that's it. Like I'm not going to do any more than that. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about um, the difference between leaders maybe who, who, who get that caring and for lack of a better term servant model and mm -hmm. the ones who think they're great leaders but if you ask their men uh, the assessment or women uh, the assessment is not so kind yeah uh, look i think there's a lot of examples that we've all seen you know of people who we would describe as having that servant leadership or who you know of having that care factor um, and those that don't um, i think in my experience, um, the difference is, um, are they leading from their head or are they leading from their heart? Um, and when people use, you know, all of themselves in their leadership, I, I believe that they make a better connection and they have a better sense of purpose um, and sense of care and responsibility for those in their care. Um, and that's leadership from the heart. It doesn't mean you ignore your head but, um, or, or your gut, which, you know, helps you to take courageous action and that sort of thing. But I, I, I believe that um, real leaders who rise, I guess, um, to support the needs of their community, that, that's leadership from the heart. Leadership from the head is about process and actions and coming up with solutions and those sorts of things, which are super important. But if we haven't actually connected to the group that we serve, then are those actions the right actions? Are those solutions the right solutions? Because, you know, we're not actually connected and we don't necessarily have empathy or community or relationship with those, those people that we serve. Um, and so that for me would be the, the big difference, I believe. Yeah, what I, what I love about what you're saying, Stacey, is this whole concept of the, the, the heart and the emotion and the empathy. And I feel like today in corporate America, it is still misunderstood, right? When you talk about vulnerability and authenticity, a lot of people maybe don't understand it in the way that you are talking about. And I wonder, um, have you seen people transform, right? Like from this position where they just don't get it, to like being like, oh, that's why this is important. And then start kind of like that long personal journey, right? From like not understanding that to implementing that and being like, wow, it's so much easier this way. Yeah, um, I guess I, I have seen people begin to recognize the value of of maybe you know broadening how they approach leadership um, and tapping into their heart a little bit more. It's 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 a challenging process. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's it's a challenging process, and it takes I think great personal awareness, but also personal fortitude to actually you know recognize it and then make a choice about you know, I, I see real value in this. So it's something that I'm going to pursue and I'm going to learn more about myself and I'm actually going to make the effort to develop the skill, you know, skills of the heart as well as skills of the head um, to become a better leader because, you know, that's 
what I aspire to and that creates, you know, possibility and more leaders, all those things that are important. Um, but I think, again, that, you know, there's a lot of learning there. And, and again, I'm not sure that as a normal thing that um, some leaders are ever exposed to those concepts even. And so it's not that they don't want to, it's just that they don't even really have the awareness of the possibilities that are there and that they have so much more to give and to offer than they, you know, than they are. And that actually may have some incredible value and benefits um, not just for the team and the organisation, but for for them in terms of, you know, fulfilling their their purpose and their potential and and all of those things. So, have I seen somebody go the whole way on the journey? I'm not sure that I have. I think I've probably seen people who have had the realization part and they've started the journey. Sure. Um, which is amazing because it you know it takes time, and I've seen others. Um, who I'm, you know, I've gone, oh, wow, they're amazing, you know, what they do. And then they'll tell a story of when they were an early leader. And right. it was like, do this, do that, do the other. Uh, but they've obviously gone, you know, they've made that choice. They've gone on the journey and their people love them for it. Yeah. Well, that makes me feel, um, I don't know, very excited that, that, that you see that. And, and that is something that happens, that people do make that. Transfer, transformation, that's very heartening. So let's take a look at our next clip and you're not gonna believe this, okay? So this next clip, I literally saw this on TV like 30 minutes ago, I'm watching TV with my wife, this exact <laughs> episode came on and I was like, this seems really familiar. And then I <laughs> was previewing our episode, I said, oh my gosh, this scene is on the episode with uh, Stacy. So let's take a look. So we were, we were meant to have this uh, conversation tonight. Stacey. It's the universe. Source? <laughs> <laughs> Random subspace energy fluctuations. Computer, run a transspectral analysis on all subspace fluctuations. Yes? A member of the crew has requested an appointment with the captain. I informed her that you were occupied, but she was insistent. Whatever it is, I'm sure Commander Chakotay can handle. Request granted. Send her in. Permission to submit a proposal for your review. Proposal? It's a rescue operation for Seven of Nine. Huh? You created this plan all by yourself? Yes, ma'am. You see, if we change our long-range sensors to Seven's cortical implant frequency, maybe we can find her. The Delta Quadrant is a very big place. And Seven could be thousands of light years from here. What if we boosted our sensor range with power from the main deflector? <laughs> You've been spending too much time in engineering. I'm afraid it's not quite that simple. But thank you, Crewman. Your initiative is duly noted. Captain? You're not going to give up, are you?
are three things to remember about being a starship captain. Keep your shirt tucked in. Go down with the ship. And never abandon a member of your crew. <laughs> so what can we learn from Captain Janeway? Uh, this is just beautiful. Um, so three things that stand out for me. Number one, um, and again, this is something that doesn't happen enough, is make time for your people. Mm. Um, you know, one of, the, one of the most valuable things that you have is to share yourself and your time with your people, you know, as a leader, because that's how they get to see how leadership works. You know, if they don't get to spend time with you, <laughs> they can't learn that. So that's the first um, really important point. Um, the second is to, to listen. You know, when people have got something that they, that they want to share with you, to actually listen and to be curious. So asking questions, that sort of thing, really, you know, not assuming. Um, and so, you know, acknowledging the value of of what's happening and, and creating that listening. So I think that's, um, I, th I think I said there was, there was um, three things. I think I've got four. So, so um, spending time with them, listening, um, acknowledging the initiative in being, in being encouraging. So even while it wasn't the solution this time, acknowledging the effort and, and, you know, the initiative that was displayed because, you know, when people do that, we want them to do more of that because great ideas will come and, and some of them will be fabulous and we'll use them. So we don't want to put a dampener on that. We want to encourage that initiative. Um, and then the fourth thing was the opportunity for mentoring at the very end, sharing the, the, three, um, the three keys to being a Starship Commander. Um, yeah, you, know, you can never you can never start too early. So you know, creating creating those mentoring opportunities. Yeah, and you know, I feel like uh, if you're lucky enough to get a mentor who goes out of their way to do that for you, because it's not a requirement, right? Um, it is just something so special. I mean, I remember um, I used to train in Aikido with with this one uh, instructor, this one sensei. And as I was training more with him and becoming a more senior student, he started to take me under his wing a little bit more. And I remember we went on a trip to train at another dojo in another town. And there were a lot of like muckety mucks from like some from Japan, some from other large dojos. And every once in a while, he'd walk over to me, very discreet, and just sort of kind of like, you know, whisper so other people couldn't hear. He'd say, Joe, you see that instructor over there? That's instructor so-and-so. They're very good at this technique. They know this person, like he would give me like little bits and tidbits, which mm. I read if I wanted to go higher in the organization, then I would need the support of these other instructors and I would need to get to know them over dinners and other trainings. It's not going to happen because I just have really good technique or I'm very handsome, which I'm not, but, <laughs> but, but like that was really special. You know, I was like, wow, you know, luckily I was old enough to understand at the time what he was doing. And I was like, wow, this guy is really extending himself. He doesn't have to do this for me. I'm like a nobody. I give him money. He trains me, you know, yeah. but that was like really special what he did. And I feel like people really appreciate it when you do that. Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. And I, and I think those, those moments, and, and I've heard this, um, 
you know, those moments, people remember them forever, basically. You know, when you, when you gift people with that time or that little piece of wisdom or information, which, as you say, it's, it's not written in the letter of the law of your job, no. but it's what, it's what you gift people uh, with, then, then that can make a huge difference, a huge impact um, and, and as you say, it's, it's super special. Um, and I think opportunities to mentor and to, um, to share your knowledge and your wisdom, again, it, it's, it is about developing the future and developing other leaders. Um, and so as, uh, you know, to all leaders, I would be saying, I would be absolutely encouraging you to look for those moments and to share what you know. You know, the other thing you said that really resonated with me, I think it was your third point about how um, the captain was so encouraging um, when the young girl was coming up with advice. And I've seen this myself um, with people at work um, and also maybe at home with, with my son. There's a way you can respond to people that just totally shuts them down right? It's like all the enthusiasm and joy, just it's like it drains from their body. And you're not even trying to be cruel. You know, Mm. maybe you're just trying to do things better, more efficiently, or maybe you're just distracted. But you can really take the wind out of someone's sails quite easily. Oh, yeah. And, and it's, and it's, um, and I think that's where it comes in that we have to be so aware, not just about ourselves, but about the people around us. You know, if someone's super excited and they've got something to share with you and you're like too busy, not now, it won't work, <laughs> you know, whatever the response is, um, it's not just about that moment. As you say, you know, the joy goes, the excitement disappears, but the enthusiasm to come up with an idea next time. Mm-hmm you know, it might be damaged. Yeah, yeah. And then you miss all those possibilities and potentials that exist inside that person. They just, they go away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think when I, when I speak to leaders, sometimes they, they forget or they're not as conscious of the incredible impact that they have on the people around them, you know, yes. and... and and so they've got the potential to do wonderful good, but they've also got the potential, as you say, to, to limit or to, um, you know, to constrain or stop people from, from exploring and trying new things or, you know, coming up with great ideas. And so we have to be really conscious of the impact that we are having and how we go about having conversations because maybe it's not the best idea. But there are multiple ways that we can have that conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. All right. Well, let's take a look at our last clip, uh, which highlights leadership in, you know, pretty trying, difficult conditions, which uh, I feel can be very instructive. Yes, sir. Tell me, Francois, what is your philosophy on leadership? How do you inspire your team to do their best? By example. I've always thought to lead by example, sir. Well, that is right. That is exactly right. But how to get them to be better than they think they can be? That is very difficult, I find. Inspiration, perhaps. How do we inspire ourselves to greatness when nothing less will do? 
how do we inspire everyone around us? I sometimes think it is by using the work of others. On Robben Island, when things got very bad, I found inspiration in a poem. A poem? A Victorian poem. Just words, but they helped me to stand when all I wanted to do was to lie down. But you didn't come all this way to hear an old man talk about things that make no sense. No, no, please, Mr. President. It makes complete sense to me. On the day of a big match, say, a test, in the bus on the way to the stadium, nobody talks. Ah, yes. They're all preparing. Right. But when I think we're ready, I have the bus driver put on a song, something I've chosen, one we all know. And we listen to the words together. And it helps. I remember when I was invited to the 1992 Olympics in Barcelona. Everybody in the stadium greeted me with a song. At the time, the future, our future, seemed very bleak. But to hear that song in the voices of people from all over our planet made me proud to be South African. It inspired me to come home and do better. It allowed me to expect more of myself. May I ask, what was the song, sir? Well, it was in Posisikilele, Africa. A very inspiring song. We need inspiration, Francois. Because in order to build our nation, we must all exceed our own expectations. Wow, what, a, what an amazing scene. Uh, what can we learn uh, from that, Stacey? Yeah, um, I, I, love, I love that. I think the big thing that stands out for me there is about meaning and purpose, connecting to a higher purpose, you know, and um, there's a lot of uh, research and evidence around the importance of, of meaning and, and the difference it makes to how people contribute. Um, to their work and to what they do in their lives and that sort of thing. And, and what, I, what I love about that conversation was there was this expression around, you know, the high purpose of leadership in terms of taking the country forward and without actually saying, and so, Francois, I need you to do this, it was simply about can you know as a leader of the country can connecting uh them both through the stories to a higher purpose and in essence recruiting support from someone who is going to be highly influential with the community of south africa at that time um and so that it's a beautiful expression of leadership because the president is is asking for help without asking for help. You know, we have something really special to do here. It's about 
where we want to take our country and inviting Francois to be part of that, but in a really um, heartfelt way. Mm. Not I need you to do this because it, I say it's important, but actually using the stories and the, and the message of opportunity and hope and where we want to take the future and how, how can we inspire? How can we step up as leaders? You know, if we step up as leaders, creates the opportunity for others to see that they also may be able to step up, you know, and inspire. I just think it's gorgeous, beautiful. Yeah, that really resonates uh, with me what you're saying in, in terms of the approach uh, that he took. I mean, he could have very easily said, hey, I'm the president of South Africa. I need you to do this for me, right? I mean, yeah. you know, that's that's not out of bounds for him to do this. This guy's like a soccer coach, right? It's, it's not like he's a general or something. Um, and I found the approach, um, I'm not sure if this is the right word, but to be in a way very artful. You know, the 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 patience he used, the humility, the the questioning, and the questioning had... The question was like, I don't know what to do. The questioning was more like, let's think about the things that we should both be thinking about together, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and holding space for the coach to contribute and, and to develop his own thoughts. Because maybe he hasn't been thinking about this before. Yeah, I think what's really um lovely about that is it's an opportunity okay the world cup's coming and you know for context the world cup's coming mm-hmm. um and this is the you know the captain of the the spring box and and it's just this opportunity for him to recognize with the help of the president that actually he can be you know, and lead a team of people that can actually make a difference. This is, this is not just about playing a game anymore. This is actually about, you know, being able to move their country forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it may well not have ever have crossed his mind that he could play this role in moving the country forward um, and, and be, you know, someone who can, for one of a better phrase, make a difference, like make a real difference. And so I think, um, yes, it's an amazing opportunity to broaden someone's perspective and understanding of what they can do to contribute. But I think the other thing that was um, really powerful in that conversation was it's clearly very heartfelt and the the sharing of the of the story you know when he was in prison um you know to to reveal that it's very powerful like how how amazing to make that kind of a connection Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. someone you know as part of the process of you know uh, asking them without asking them to be part of making a difference well, you know um, what I love? When you were talking, I just realized something about that scene, which, which I didn't realize, which is his opening salvo, which is how do you inspire the team to be greater than they think they can be, was actually kind of directed at the coach himself, although he didn't put it that way. I mean, that was the ultimate kind Absolutely. of... 
And I just realized that, like, oh, my God, this guy's a genius. <laughs> so, it's, look, it's clever, but, but also it is heartfelt. You know, yeah. it's not like, oh, he's manipulating him. No, you know? no, not at all. No. Create, so to me, he's creating a space and an opportunity. I talk about this a lot. When leaders come to me and they say, oh, how do I motivate my people? And I say to them, you can't motivate your people. Yeah. You create an opportunity, a space, a set of conditions in which yes. they can become motivated. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the same thing. Create a space, an idea, a purpose in which people can step in and be motivated to be part of it. Yeah. I love what you're saying. And, and I think about a lot of these sorts of interpersonal things from like a physical perspective because of, um, training in Aikido. And it's like what you just said, where the leader's like, how do I do this? I almost picture like one of those leaders, right? Not to badmouth any of your clients. They're standing in a doorway and they're blocking the doorway and they're trying to get their team members to walk through the door. And they come to you, Stacy, and they say, I don't understand why these guys and gals don't walk through the door. You're standing in the doorway. Get out yes. of the doorway so they can walk through. <laughs> That's, that's it. That's it. You know, there's some small things can make a massive difference. Just step to the side a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it could be so simple, but it kind of is sometimes, but it's, it's, it's more difficult in practice. Uh, yeah. I realize. Well, yeah. Stacey, it's been a real treat uh, to talk to you today and hear your expertise on leaders create leaders. Uh, what things are you working on and how can our audience get in touch with you to learn more? Wow, I'm working on so many things. My my second book is uh, in in the works, um, and I've got. Um, I guess I'm spending a lot of my time at the moment working with organisations and and their leaders at lots of levels, senior leaders, but also some of the the middle ranks around um, building coaching as a leadership capability because I think it's one of the keys to unlocking potential and possibility, but also it's a key to growing those other you know, more and more and more leaders. I don't think we're ever going to get to the point where we say, no, no, we've got enough leaders now. We don't need any, <laughs> we don't need any more. <laughs> so that's a really big focus for me. Um, but also helping leaders to really fine tune what they do and how they do it so they make more impact. Not necessarily working more hours or anything like that, but they're working on the right things in the right way at the right time. And what's the best way to get in touch with you if people want to learn? Uh, well, look, the, the easiest from a global perspective is, is probably, you know, follow me on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm doing LinkedIn Live several times a week at the moment. Great. Um, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. And, um, yeah, so that's probably the easy one. Otherwise, um, website is uh, www.ashleycoaching.com.au. Yeah, and, and, and all the links that you uh, provide to me, I will share them in the show notes. So please go to the show notes, folks, and uh, look up Stacy. So Stacy, thank you so much for sharing your insights on why it works. Uh, my absolute pleasure, Joe. Thanks for having me. Do you ever feel like your career has hit a roadblock? Many people spend a large part of their career stuck in a rut. The sad thing is... They don't know why, and no one really tells them. In many cases, the ceiling of your career is defined not by how good you are at your job, but rather by how others perceive your leadership. In other words, executive presence. In my
my second book, Unlock Your Executive Presence, I reveal the six states of being that actually generate executive presence and a blueprint for immediately improving how people respond to you. If you read Unlock Your Executive Presence, I have a big favor to ask. Please join us on Team 100. Our mission is to get 100 Amazon reviews in 100 days. To help, if you don't want to pay the $2.99 introductory price, no problem. Just email me in the next three days at joe at connectioncounselor.com and tell me why executive presence is important to you and I'll send you a free copy. With your help, I know we can do it. You can find the book on amazon.com or in the show notes. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Why It Works. For more information about Joquan Joe Coaching, as well as access to my articles, videos, and podcasts, visit joquanjo.com. And stay tuned for our next Why It Works adventure.